This is your brother James, and this is Not As I Will podcast. I just uh, wanted to welcome everybody who's been listening, and and, uh, just thank you for being so loyal over the years. You know, I've been very, like, fluctuating in, like, exactly what this podcast is, so I just want you to, I just want to thank you for hanging in there. Um, Today, I got, you know, three topics for you, or, or three things I want to talk about. I want to talk about, you know, cities in the Old Testament and how they relate to, you know, your heart today. Because um, we read, you know, we read the Old Testament, you just don't think it's necessarily relevant all the time. However, you know, there's a lot of things you can pull from it. Um, I'm not like a theologian by any means. I don't sit here and try to, you know, break everything down all the time. Uh, but I do, you know, I do like to think deeply about, you know, Old Testament, any, any scripture really. Um, I also wanted to talk about um, swinger, swing, swingers. I think that's the right term. Um, I was reading or I was passing through articles and I noticed that there was something that like really caught my eye that was very like disturbing. <laughs> and then uh, the other one was uh, I was going to go in a little bit more depth on, you know, like counsel, being a counselor versus you know, being somebody who's counseled and just what to look for. All right, so first off, um, I was reading Ezekiel this last, you know, me and my wife, we read a chapter every night before we go to bed, and, and, you know, she hasn't been through the whole Bible yet. I've been through once. Uh, And I'm not saying you have to, you know, but I think, you know, I think you should be able to say that you did. You know, uh, if you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, I just think you should. Right, I, I, it's not that you have to, um, you know. There's that argument about baptism. It's like, well, if I'm not baptized, am I saved? And it's like, well, I, well, I, I just don't think you would make it to the end of your life without getting baptized, right? So it's kind of the same concept where it's like, I just don't under, I don't think you would make it to the end of your life without reading the Bible all the way through uh, as a believer. Um, but like I said, it's you know, I, you know, you. And baptism's obviously a little bit, you know, more, you know, like you should do that. Um, but I like to compare the two because it's just, it's just something that it's seems clear, you know, but it's it's not clear, right? <laughs> but I think knowing your Bible is important, right? Knowing where things are, uh, Old Testament obviously is harder to understand, but you got to dig a little deeper. Um, New Testament's a little easier to understand. However, you, you know, you can draw a lot from the Old Testament in terms of just, like, how people lived. And you just see a lot of, like, this is how God dealt with these people. And you, it kind of blows your mind because you're like, well, I thought God was all loving and all this. And it's just like, well, God also has wrath, you know. And that's something that we don't talk about a lot in church, especially in modern American church. We don't talk about God's wrath a lot. And it's just, you know, and that's the cup you know Jesus took the cup of God's wrath on the cross that day it doesn't mean you know it it means that our sin is now covered with his blood especially in the U.S. so like we think of you know other parts of the world that don't have God as the center right then there's you know a lot more crap that goes down um the U.S. is definitely you know not inept to evil things however you just you know it's not as apparent it's not as easy to see 
you know, there's a lot more laws in place to kind of protect people. Um, so anyway, the, the, what I want to get to is in Ezekiel, they were talking, you know, about where Israel's heart was at this time. And somebody comes in and takes them over and, and, uh, this, you know, this is what's going to happen. God's, you know, God is like telling this to Ezekiel. He's telling this, you need to say this to them. This is what's going to happen to them, you know? this is where their heart is in this place right and then he's you know he kind of refers to other cities you know i think of like sodom and gomorrah and or uh tyre is another city that's used right the city of tyre is you know has uh an issue with their you know uh we'll call it lust for money or something right just using as as an example right and uh you know, we think of it as like a, a location. Oh, yeah, this city over here is, you know, located over here, and that's what they're struggling with. And at the time, that was true. But for us today, it's like there are people that actually struggle with this, right? And God is saying, like, this isn't good, and this this needs to be rooted out. You know, in Jeremiah, he talks about, you know, I've called you to uh, uh, build and to plant, to, to root out and to destroy, you know? to Jeremiah the the prophet and it's you know God's called us to an area in our world right he's called us to an area and he's pointed out the evil that is there right and he know and then you know in Isaiah chapter 6 he says you know Isaiah's like behold you know I am a man of unclean lips and I've dwelt in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king the glory of the Lord of hosts so he'll bring you to a situation that he sees as corrupt and he's going to show you as corrupt and you know you're a part of this situation but you're humble enough to recognize that you're a part of it and that you need to like you need to change you know and then that's when god sends the angel to to clean his lips right with the coal from the altar and then or the you know god asks he says whom shall we send whom shall we send referring to him the holy spirit and jesus right whom shall we send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And if you're in that place and God's called you to do something and he's called you to a, you know, a heart, you know, a city, a, a, a group of people who's struggling in this area. Right. And, uh, just don't, you know, don't take that for granted that God does do that still today. So um, there is a, a point, Jesus is speaking, Matthew 11, okay? He, uh, I thought this was a very good, you know, depiction of what I'm trying to get across in terms of, you know, the heart, the cities, you know. So it says, um, Matthew 11, verse 20, Jesus began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. He says, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. So he's he's uh, you know he's gone to these places, he's done these works, and nobody repented, right? And these places are places of you know people who believe in the Lord, you know people who are following the Lord. And he's saying that people that aren't, that never followed me, if I would have done this there, they would have repented, which is, you know, so it's basically, you know, an insult, right? 
And I, I had to go back and figure out what happened in Tyre and Sidon and why that's like a reference here, right? Why did he use that as a reference? So I went back and Ezekiel 26 through 28 talks about, you could sit here and read 26 through 28 and it'll explain it um, all the way through. But in, ver- in chapter 27, he does a, they call it, they call it the lamentation of Tyre for Tyre, right? Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. So he's he's lamenting Tyre, right? He's just uh, this is uh, this is why I'm upset. You know, this is why I'm sad for Tyre, right? Uh, he says, "Oh Tyre, you have said I am perfect in beauty." So when I I first read that, it says Tyre is said. Tyre said this: "I am perfect in beauty." And by the way, just to reiterate, it sounds like he's talking about a person, right? But he's talking about a city. Which tells me, you know, for us personally, we sit here and read this and we just think, oh, he's talking about a city. No, he's talking about the heart of a person, right? And uh, he says, you know, Tyre is basically saying, I am perfect in beauty. That sounds like a conceited person. (laughs) So when you think of Tyre, think of somebody conceited. Okay, that's the first thing he says. All right, next thing, your borders are in the midst of the seas. Your builders have perfected your beauty. So... Anytime you see the term sea in the Old Testament or really anywhere, it's in reference to the world. Um, so when you think of like a sea, you think of the world and uh, the things in the world, right? So he says you're in the midst of the seas, which means you're in the world, right? Uh, they made all your planks of fir trees from cedar and they took a cedar from Lebanon to make you a massive. I don't have any explanation for that of oaks from Bashan. They made your oars. The company of the Asherites have inlaid your planks with ivory from the coast of Cyprus, fine embroidered linen from Egypt was what you spread for your sale. So the other term is Egypt. Egypt's also in reference to the world. So whenever you see the term Egypt that you want to think very worldly, uh, blue and purple from the coast of Elisha was what covered you. Inhabitants of Sidon and Arvad were your oarsmen, your wise men, O Tyre, were in you. They became your pilots. So he's basically saying you 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 took you took up people, you followed people instead of me, right? You took up wise men and they became your pilots, the people who are guiding you, right? Elders of Gabal and its wise men were in your were in you to caulk your seams. All the ships of the sea and their oarsmen were in you to market your merchandise. So people of the world. You brought in oarsmen of the sea, you know, uh, ships of ships of the sea. Excuse me. So people, you know, things of the world were brought to you, and this is what was running you, right? So basically, what I'm gathering is when he references Tyre and Sidon, he's referencing some some somebody in the world, right? And he's saying, you know, he's speaking to his followers, and he's saying that. Jesus, that is in Matthew 11, he's speaking to his followers saying, the people who are in the world would have repented based upon what they saw today or, or, you know, over this past time that I've been here uh, showing you miracles. Okay, so he's speaking to the hearts of people. So I wanted to read uh, Revelation chapter two, starting in chapter two, because it goes through chapter three. Um, I can't, I don't have a source for this at this moment, but uh, chapters one, two, and three are still, you know, present day, technically, um, or, you know, current times. Uh, You know, after that, it starts to become um, after, you know, like we haven't seen this yet, right? Uh, 
uh, they, you know, any theologian will tell you that everything is symbolic after chapter three. Um, I mean, there's still some symbolism in chapters one, two, and three, but after chapter three is when we, you know, it's all up to, it's basically all up to interpretation and, and symbolism, right? Because we don't actually know what it is. Um, so, uh, but prior to that, we can, you know, there actually is a lot of explanations. Uh, again, I can't, you know, don't quote me on it, but you could confirm it with somebody else, um, that to be the case. So, you know, he talks about seven different churches in these two chapters, Revelation 2 and 3. Um, so to emphasize, you know, what I was talking about with the cities where, you know, it's like the, it's like a, uh, a picture of the heart of a person, right. Um, in the new Testament revelation, this is like people in the church, right. This is exactly who, you know, you're going to align. If you're in God's church, you're going to align with one of these churches in the end. Like you'll be exposed in the end. We will all be exposed for who and what we are, you know, and we'll know whether we, you know, we're following Christ legitimately or, or we were hiding something or try, or thinking, thinking we were hiding something. Right. So, you know, seven different churches. Right. So first one is the loveless church. So to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now I will, I will say, uh, this particular church, I, I really, um, what do you, how do you say you align? I aligned with at one time. I remember reading this in a point in a, in a point of my walk. And this is exactly where I was. This is exactly if, you know, if the rapture came or I died or whatever, this is exactly the church I was in. Um, I had built up, a pattern of good works, right? Over time, I had built up, you know, myself spiritually, and then I kind of faded back into some old habits that were, you know, um, sin sinful, I guess you could say, very, you know, uh, not in the best place, right? I was, and this is before I moved to where I, I am now. Um, that was about six years ago, right? Right before that, I was really falling back into some things and it was just not a good site, right? I, uh, wanted to, you know, there was a night where I was, you know, dr drunk, you know, high driving home. And I remember I was so tired. It was like 4am. I was coming home from a strip club and I was so tired and I just felt like I, if I crashed my car, I could fall asleep. It was like, it was like a weirdest thought, right? But it was not good. It just was not a good place. And it was like, not something that I ever thought I would go back to. Right. And this, so I aligned at one point in my life, I definitely saw myself as part of this group, right? Where 
he said, he said, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Basically, like you're, you've fallen, right? Repent and do the first works. Do what you were doing previously or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. <laughs> and it was like, it was very clear to me that essentially I'm going to be, you know, it's not going to be good if you continue this route. Okay. So that's that church, uh, the persecuted church and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? I'm going to skip down. So uh, verse nine, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. All right, so um, I'm not, I, I can't really explain this too, too good, <laughs> but um, I do know that it, this is an encouraging message, and he's just you know giving them warning. Um, I think of people who are in persecuted areas of the world, you know, China currently, um, uh, af part, parts of Africa, you know, Christians being persecuted. So I think of this is the person who's in a place where they um, are going to be put into prison because of their faith. And they're under a lot of, you know, scrutiny in different parts of the world. You know, even in uh, other Southeast Asian countries that are Muslim, uh, you can't really... Um, it's it's just different you know you're in the u.s or you're in like a western cultured society it's it's different you can freely worship right but other parts of the world they don't allow that um the next one is the compromising church uh i'm gonna skip down because everything's the same right uh actually i'll just i'll start it It says and to the angel of the church in pergamos right these things says he who has the sharp two-edged two sword i know your works and where you dwell where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. Because you have, because you have there are those who, have, who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitan, of the, of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So this one, you know, at, at first you're like, who is Balaam and Balak? And then it just straight up tells you, it says, to eat things sacrificed to idols and, and to commit sexual immorality. And um, I guess the easiest way to look at this is, you know, you're somebody who has a lot of idols, right? I think of the U I think of people in the U S right now the, the, the minute I was reading this, I was just like people in the U S right. You have a lot of idols, no matter what it is. I, I was watching this video the other day on, on workplace culture, right. And some places that, you know, they in, indoctrinate you in like the thing in like, uh, how they want things done. And, uh, there was a guy who was explaining how, you know, you go to a workplace and they basically like force you to have like fun, you know, they like create a company party or something and you're forced to go. And it's like, if you don't go, then you're shunned or you even, you know, that's like part of your job description is you have to go to these parties. Right. 
And then also there's things like, you know, Disney, they like make their employees like they have to be, they have to say certain things. They can't like go off script at all. They're like almost, you know, they're just performers the whole time. And it's just a very indoctrinating thing. And they, they described it more as a cult than a culture. Right. And I thought that was really interesting, but it is, it's true. Like, think of it, like you, you work at a place and the person who's running it, it's like, he is the like leader of it. Now, now I'm getting a little extreme here. So just, you know, kind of just take a step back and realize I'm just kind of talking. I'm not necessarily like saying that this is true. Right. However, I, I don't think it's too far off. Right. But you could, you know, it, it could get to a point where you're, you know, idolizing the job and people, you know, us perfect example, people who work too much, right. Uh, different parts of the world, people just work too much and you, the job turns into an idol, you know, you're, uh, you know, it says right here to eat things, sacrifice to idols. Um, from a spiritual perspective, you could think of, um, you know, consuming your, you know, giving your time to something, you know, rather than giving your time to your, that time to your family, you know, could be something sacrificed to idols. And then committing of sexual immorality, people who make a lot of money have a tendency to spend that money on doing sexually immoral behavior. You know, um, I'm not saying everybody's like that, but there, I would say there's a good portion of people who have a lot of money and then they go buy, you know, prostitutes or, uh, people, you know, or they use their money to gain the influence of like a young woman, right? Because they know they have a lot of money and they know, you know, the young women are looking for men with a lot of money. So to me, th this is like perfect picture of a lot of people in the US. And that's just something it's more of a warrant, you know, like, I'm straight reading from the Bible. So if you're sitting here listening to me and calling me like a bunch of, you know, oh, you're, you're, you're just, you know, you're a liar or whatever. I'm like, well, this is straight from the Bible. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. And, and it's just, um, that's just what I see. You know, you could see it as something else. However, I see a lot of these two things in the U S all right. And, uh, I'm not saying I'm, I'm inept from it. I'm just saying that, that, that's what I see. Um, all right. So moving on to the fourth church, it's the corrupt church. Uh, and to the angel of the church is verse 18, chapter two to the angel of the church in Thyatira, right? These things says the son of man, uh, the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into, into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to say, now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he overcomes and keeps my works until the end. To him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces into the potter's vessels. As I 
also have received from my father and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Okay. So similar to the last church things sacrifice, the idols, sexual immorality, but it sounds like this one is a little different in the sense that they invited the prophetess in. So there's a woman, you know, uh, I'm not necessarily, you know, somebody who's a little more theologically sound or doctrinal, whatever, can probably give you a little more insight into that. But anyway, the, the idea is that it's a woman who's seducing, right? I think of Proverbs 7 and the woman who, you know, the harlot who seduces the, the young man. You know, he goes out into the street and she's like, he she's outside, you know, lurking at every corner. Uh, she says, like, I'm outside searching it. Uh, lurking every corner, uh, hoping to see your face. And I have found you, she says. And she's, you know, she's like, come back to my room. I have all these things to offer you. And, you know, my husband, he's gone away on a long journey, you know, and it's, it's, it's that thing that, you know, like if you're not looking for that, you know, like a woman who is, uh, you know, I think of a man who gets, you know, a man who's married, and he gets deceived in thinking that, you know, this woman who's seducing him, right, is going to be better than his wife, right? This is this is the first and foremost, like, just you got to know that this woman is going to be, it's going to be worse, okay? Like, I don't care who you are. Any man who's married knows there's no reason to be spending time with more than one woman, right? Like spending time with your wife as a married man is like being able to like handle her emotions alone is a lot of work, right? To be with another one, like I, I get overwhelmed even thinking about the idea, right? Like, like, you know, like uh, in the world, the whole idea is, you know, you want to be with as many women as you, as you can, uh, you want to be able to sleep with multiple women at the same time. Right. And I, I, the, you know, the only thing I can think of, you know, that's tempting, you know, is not being attached to their emotions. Right. But at some point there's going to be emotions involved and having one woman, woman's emotions is just so much. It's a lot of work. Right. And any married man knows that. And if you try to add another woman into that, you are like asking for hell on earth. I'm telling you right now, man. And if you're deceived by it, you know, I renounce that, in, you know, in Jesus name, I renounce that because it's like, and you got to get your mind right because that's, you got to know that you got to know that one woman's enough, right? Like, and it's, it, it's more than enough. It's like, I can't even imagine. And then guess what? Let's say it works out with this other woman, right? Like, oh, it's going to be better. It's not. It's going to be worse, okay? Because that woman was so, you know, she knows that she's pulling you from your family, right? Or your your wife. Maybe you don't have a family, whatever. She's pulling you from whoever you're with, right? And her emotions are so jacked up, you're going to have to deal with those after. Like, you got to think long-term here, right? And And it's Proverbs 7, you know, I memorized that a long time ago. That one is save your life. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the view of, you know, it, essentially God seeing this man or this young man just get deceived by this woman. Right. And they're easy to spot, man. 
these women are easy to spot. And, and to me, it's just like a major turnoff. These women that just throw, like flaunt themselves. Right. Anyway. So that's what it reminds me of. Okay. It's, it reminds me of this church in particular. Now it's similar to this, to the last church, right? The thing sacrificed the idols and sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage between man and a woman. Right. Uh, that's sexual immorality. Uh, they invited it in. They invited the, this this uh, seducer in versus it looks, you know, in the last one, it was just uh, they called it a stumbling block, you know, like a doctrine got in that maybe they didn't know about. And it and it, you know, led to sacrificing the idols and sexual immorality versus just straight up inviting it in. And I wanted to go to uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10, or actually we'll start in verse nine. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And essentially God's saying, because you invited this in, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to let you have it. And in the end, you're going to be very disappointed with what you get because I'm going to reward you for what you did. And uh, basically what God is saying, you know, that there's going to be people within this church who are who are obviously believers. Right. And it says, you know, in verse 23, I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your work. So supporting the, the scripture I just read. But. The, he's obviously stating that there are people in this church that will be, you know, that will, you know, spend spend eternity with him. However, there's going to be people who know, you know, they invited her in, they're spending time with her, and he's going to kill them off. And it's, uh, you know, that's pretty clear, right? And I don't, you know, as much as people want to sit here and try to, you know, justify their behavior, it's like, I feel like if you're in a place of justification, you're in the wrong and you got to know that, right? You're ju trying to justify behavior. Just, just stop, just stop doing that. You don't want to be in the end. You don't want to be sitting there before God and trying to like justify why you were doing what you were doing when you knew it was wrong. Right. Uh, you know, in, in James, it says he, 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 he who knows to do good and does not do it to him. It is sin. Right. Um, I'm, I'm and, and again, like, the the only the only way for me to just to justify or I don't know justify justify is not the right word for me to understand what God's gonna do to you know his believer the people who are pursuing him in the end who are you know caught up in a sin is they might not be where they think they are right so like you think you're this mature Christian yet you're sinning right you're going to be, you know, like the age at which you've developed into. And that's my only way to describe what's going to happen to believers who are just like screwing up, you know, on, you see them, everybody sees them, right? The only way for me to like explain it for myself, not, not for anybody else, you know, and, and, and this isn't biblical. So don't, you know, take it for bit for the Bible. But when I, see like my brother, sister, whatever, just screwing on, you know, doing the wrong thing in the end, God's going to like expose that. Right. And, you know, maybe they're like a two-year-old or whatever, you know, they haven't 
advance past that age, spiritually speaking. And that's where they're going to be. And then, you know, as they, you know, you're in heaven, there's not going to be any sin, right? You're going to develop from that point at which you were at, right? You're not going to, you're not going to be, you know, I know a lot of people say there's, you know, everybody's like 33 in heaven, you know, whatever. Somebody went up there and saw it, you know, at some point you will be, but not, I I wouldn't say that happens immediately. You know, you're still going to have to develop into who God, you know, wants you to be or, you know, prior, prior to that, you, you'll develop to where you're at and then you'll know exactly where you're at. Right. Anyway. So, uh, let's move on. Chapter three, the dead church, um, the dead church, it says, and to the angel of the church in Sardis, right. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Um, so this, yeah, this church in particular, he's basically saying, you know, there are parts of you that are alive, but you're also dead because you're not, you know, I, I guess my, the best way for me to describe this one is the dead sea. Okay. So you got the dead sea in the middle East. Okay. And there is the Jordan river flowing into the dead sea. Right. But there's actually nothing flowing out of it. And the sea is dead. Okay. So there, because there's nothing flowing out of it, there's no like natural process, right? Flowing in and flowing out. Everything inside is dead. Right. Um, if you go up just a little ways to the, to Lake Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee is what the Christian knows it as. Right. There are three river heads flowing into it, and then the Jordan River flowing out of it. So, do you see how the, it's and it's a very vibrant body of water. Now, it's it's more like a lake. I, I was there. It's not quite a sea, but it's it's like it's 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 more of a lake. Very big lake, but it is a lake. And um, do you see the picture that there are waters flowing in and waters flowing out, which makes it alive? And then on the other one, the Dead Sea, a little ways down, you know, south of there. Uh, there's one riverhead flowing in, but nothing flowing out. And this is the person who is, goes to church, but does not give back what they are receiving to anybody. Right. So they go, they're receiving, not giving back. And that's what this to me reminds me of. Uh, that's my best explanation of it. Okay. So the last two churches are, uh, in verse chapter three, uh, Revelation chapter three, verse seven, the faithful church it says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one, sh- he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make 
those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you, because you have kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on, on him my new name. Yeah, so there, there's the, and they call this the faithful church, the Church of Philadelphia. And it, he's not rebuking anything that they have to say, you know, anything about them, which, t- you know, which says that you got, so far, you got a rebuke on pretty much every church except for this one so far. Oh, and the persecution, excuse me, the number two, there's the second church was also not rebuked at all. So right now, two out of six, that's 33% of people in, you know, in the current church today are not being rebuked by the Lord, right? Uh, For different reasons. Okay, one's faithful, one's being persecuted, right? So moving on to the last, well, I'll expand a little bit more. Let me, let me expand a little bit more. So it's the, the thing that stood out to me, all right, I'm reading in verse uh, 10. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which will, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Okay. I don't want to speculate too much, but, you know, uh, we talk about raptures a lot. And, uh, you know, in the church we do, you know, and you'll, you'll be, you know, no matter what church you're in, you align with some view of the rapture, right? You either align with the view that you're being, that the church will be raptured prior to the tribulation period, the church will be raptured in the middle of the tribulation period, or it'll be raptured after, right? It's one of those three. I guess there's a fourth one. I can't quite remember what that one is. But anyway, um, you're aligned with one of the three. The, the post-rapture one doesn't make a ton of sense to me, even though, you know, like I had a guy explain it to me and actually I, I kind of can see why you would believe that. I don't personally believe that. I could see the other two. So the mid-tribulation rapture makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I, I tend to agree with like the pre-tribulation rapture where the church will be raptured prior to the tribulation period. And, you know, the tribulation period is a seven-year period, whatever, you know, we a lot of people speculate on what exactly a year looks like, you know, in the Bible. Now I, you could take it literally and just say, yeah, it is seven years, three and a half of those years are like peaceful years, which, you know, it tells me that if the world's at peace, there's probably no church or some kind of church. So that's why I kind of lean the pre-trib. However, if the church is, you know, been squashed or like been suppressed somehow, I could see the mid in in um, excuse me in uh, is it John? No, it's not John. Uh, what's that? What's that uh, scripture? Oh, Second Thessalonians. There you go. Second Thessalonians chapter two. It says uh, in verse. It's like verse 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. He who that he that is restraining referring to the Holy Spirit. He that is restraining will do so until he's taken out of the way, and then the Antichrist will be revealed. So when I read that scripture in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 
Okay. I'm thinking that, you know, the the Antichrist is supposedly going to be revealed after the three and a half years of peace. Okay. And so that leads me to believe that it could, you know, the church could still be around in the first three and a half years and just be kind of suppressed. Right. Um, that would not surprise me now. So when I'm reading this in verse 10, so I'm back to, excuse me, Revelation chapter three, verse 10, it says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Why didn't he not say that to the other churches? So it's like there are going to be people in the church that are, you know, tested or tried right on the last day. And it's, you know, it's. Everybody thinks you're just going to, you know, oh, we're all going to go to heaven, you know, whatever. And it's just like, yeah, I, I, you know, you want to be real careful in like believing some really strong opinions about things. Because, you know, uh, I was at a Bible study last night and it was the, the main thing that I, I got from this one, you know, a comment that was made was your relationship with God is the most important because men are going to fail you. People are going to fail you, including myself. Right. So just be, it's better to just be one, you know, pursue God, be in relationship with him rather than listening to somebody, you know, over a long period of time. I think that's why I don't, you know, put one of these out like often because it's better that you are in your word on your own than it is to listen to me. Right. I I, I like putting stuff out there because it's good. You know, it's not, I, I think it's important for Christians to not only be receiving, but also giving back. Right. Um, and mine's usually based upon, you know, based on people who struggle with sexual sin. Right. And to me, when you're in your word, studying your Bible, spending time building your spirit up, you're just not going to want to fulfill the lusts of the flesh, you know? All right. So the last church, it says the lukewarm church. So we can already kind of, uh, perceive or, uh, infer what's going to happen here. Okay. So to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, <clears throat> have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may be revealed, and anoint your eyes with with Eve's salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, and he, he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. <laughs> so, I mean, again, I, I, it's pretty clear that this is like a, you know, people with a lot of uh, material things who, you know, I, I hate using this reference, but I think of Joel Osteen right off the top of my head. And I hate, I, I don't like bashing people. I don't like this. However, I, I have to point this out. Like, I have to because it, it's something that's come up in my mind because I've never had an issue with Joel Osteen ever. I've never, like, said anything bad about him. Haven't struggled, you know, never struggled 
with understanding, oh yeah, he's probably, he's doing something for the Lord. However, I don't, I've never listened to him, never wanted to, uh, don't have any desire to, you know, uh, try to make, you know, I, I don't agree. I don't necessarily agree or disagree. However, recently I probably led to the more of the disagree side, right? Because I, I think the promotion of whether what he's saying is true or right or right or wrong or whatever, right? I don't, I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about how how he kind of flaunts his life to show you that, hey, if you follow the Lord, you get all these things. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's not really true. You know, uh, it's a good thing you've been blessed. And I, and I know he uses his money for good. So it's not, and I know that's probably why he's still in, in a place of influence. You know, the Lord's left him there because it's like, he, he's definitely using his money. You know, I, I don't think he's, you know, hoarding money. However, you know, he does flaunt what he has. And I do don't think that that is as a, as a person who's like your leader of a church, um, I've always been in the realm of your pastor shouldn't be the poorest person in your congregation or the richest. I think they need to be someone who's very, you know, in represents like the average person of your congregation. Right. So when your pastor is like the richest person in your congregation, I, I, don't, I don't think that that's the right message you want to be sending. Right. So that's my issue with it. Uh, you could get into a debate about what he's saying from a theological or doctrinal perspective. And I'm sure there's some things that aren't right, but I can't even really argue that because I've never listened to him and I don't care to. So I don't, I don't ever want to be in that argument, but from a, you know, a, a money perspective, I know that, you know, God compares himself to money and not to the devil. So whenever I see money being like the focal point of something, I know that that is not God, you know, that's God's actually warned you against that more so than the devil. So just uh, be aware, you know, uh, money is is the rival to God, not not the devil. Okay, so just to, you know, kind of close everything up, right? One of these, you know, you identify with one of these churches, you may have been, you know, listening and been like, oh, yeah, that's me. And it sounds based upon what I see, okay, two sevenths of our of the church today are tech, you know, based upon what I said, aren't being rebuked by God, right? And it's pretty clear who they what it is, what it looks like, right? Um, so two sevenths is about 28%. It's a little less than uh three tenths of the church, right? Um, so just you know, it. It's not a ton of the church. The majority of the church is, you know, in a place of being rebuked. And it sounds like that's what it's going to be up until what, what we see as the, you know, the, the, uh, 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 gosh, dang it. The, uh, the rapture, excuse me. Yeah. What we see as, you know, the church we know as the rapture, however you see it. Right. So up until the rapture that, you know, two sevenths of the church is in, is not being rebuked by God, right? And so it's important that we, you know, spend time with the Lord to understand him. Now, I did want to emphasize that, you know, maybe God's calling you to one of these churches, right? To kind of speak to their heart, to kind of let them know, hey, 
you know, this isn't, this isn't right. You know, wh- whatever it is, right. God's called you to a ministry essentially. Right. And, um, when God does this, he's going to, you know, you, you can't like, I, I, for example, I, I meet with a guy, you know, there's guys that I talk to, right. To help them with, you know, the issues that they're struggling with and the area of like sexual sin. Right. Um, and I try to not just be the only person talking to this guy, right? Because I can't do it by myself. I can't. Well, first off, they need to be in relationship with God, right? Of course. Like, if they're not in relationship with God, it's just that it's going to already be an uphill, you know, it's just like they're going to eventually mess up again. And it's just going to be, you know, turn into like an AA thing, right? Um, nothing wrong with AA, by the way. Just it's it's a little bit more, you know, focused on where you, who you are rather than like where you, you know, like there's no like getting out of it. It's almost like you are an addict and I don't, from personal experience, I know that you can, God, Jesus in you can overcome that. Right. Um, so I always try to like plant, like plug people into like a men's Bible study, a men's group or whatever. So that way I'm not the only man in this guy's life. And then that way um, there's, you know, a lot of people working, you know, helping out, keep this guy growing, this guy watering, planting, whatever. Right. Um, so that's, that's number one. You can't do it alone. Number two, um, after you, you know, identified, you know, that this guy needs, needs a lot of, uh, you know, multiple people, um, you also need to be counseled by multiple people. Right. So the, the picture I use is the, the river in Israel, there's, there's three rivers, there's three river heads that go into the sea of Galilee. Right. I think I mentioned this. I'm pretty sure I did. Anyway, three rivers are going in one river is going out Jordan river, right? Jordan river is going down to the dead sea. Okay. So three rivers going in one going out. Okay. I'd say for every, you know, for every three mentors you have, you have one person you're speaking to now. That's just a rule. It's not necessarily like, uh, there's no, you know, obviously there's nothing in the Bible about this. It's just like, it's just a very interesting concept because the Sea of Galilee is a very vibrant body of water and the three rivers are flowing into it, right? And there's one river flowing out. Now the Dead Sea has one river flowing in, nothing going out, and there's nothing living in there. So if you are constantly receiving, not giving out, you're going to be dead, you know, spiritually speaking anyway. If you're receiving, 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 but also giving out, you're going to be vibrant. You're you're going to have vibrant. It's going to be vibrant. It's going to be beautiful to see. Okay. So those are just a couple things that I, I bring up. Right. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. It was a long one, but uh, I think uh, I think it was something that was on my heart and I hope it clarified some things for everybody. Yeah. And I just wanted to pray for everybody before I let, let it let you go. Lord, I just thank you for everybody who listens. Um, I know there's people who have been listening to me for a long time, but I pray God that more so than listening to me, they listen to you and, uh, you draw them, draw them close. Uh, they would draw near to you and that you would, uh, speak to them. So that way, you know, there's no, there's no deception in, in the words of men, but they know exactly what's being, what's being said and they know what's true and what's not true in Jesus name. Amen. 
And this was your brother, James, and this uh, is the podcast, Not As I Will.